Hey, hey, it's episode eight of the Sport Fanatics podcast. I'm Chris. I'm J. Mike. Today we've got the Bucks winning game three, MLB All-Star Week, and also got a weird Les Miles story to talk about. But for now, here's that theme song. Rocky Mountain High in Colorado. This ain't John Denver. Yeah, we're in the Rockies. <laughs> Come on, Chris. Well, that's where the All-Star game is, yes. Yeah. Yes. That's tonight, actually. But before we get to that, I, I think we need to talk about the NBA playoffs. Yes. The Bucks Statement. Yeah, they showed yeah. out in that game three, winning 120 to 100. Kind of, Kind of like I figured, Chris. Well, yeah, like we said, we because I, I I had a lot of questions about Phoenix's depth going forward in this series, as I touched on in our last podcast, which was last Friday, right? And we also discussed on how Giannis needed help. Yeah, from uh, especially from Holiday and Middleton, and he got it. Absolutely. While Giannis once again going all beast mode on us. Yeah, forty one points. NBA finals. Yeah, forty one points and uh six assists from he Giannis. Had, he has absolutely lived up to his name, the Greek freak for sure. Yeah, and add on him Middleton with eighteen points and six assists and yeah. Holiday with twenty one points and nine assists. Definitely that, needed done. that. Definitely needed that from both of those guys, especially Drew Holiday, because Drew Holiday has not been the player that we saw in games five and six when the Bucks closed out the Atlanta Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals, because he stepped up big time in Giannis's absence with his injury at the time, right? was a non-factor in the first two games of this NBA Finals. And so definitely going back to Milwaukee now, you're not only on your home court, but you just have that sense of urgency because right. you're, you're, you're down two games to none to the Suns and, and you desperately need to win game three or it's over. And Holiday and Middleton stepped up big time as the Milwaukee Bucks have a big statement win in Game 3. Well, yeah, and that's the thing about it. It's such a statement. They didn't just win. I mean, they have really grabbed a lot of momentum here yes, they for have. Game 4. Yes, they have, which 
I can't remember if I said this on our last podcast, Chris, but I, I surely felt it, and I probably hinted at it, but I really liked the Bucks tying this series up. Yeah. I, yeah. In, in, you know, games three and four, tying it up in Milwaukee. Yeah, you, you – I believe you mentioned – or I, I, I certainly hinted hinted at it. Yeah. I, I don't believe I, I said it, but it's exactly the way I felt. And just like we talked about before this series began, who is going to stop Giannis inside? And you're looking at DeAndre Ayton, but he certainly can't do it by himself. Now you don't have guys like Sarich and Craig so you're basically having to depend on Frank Kaminsky the former Wisconsin great to back up Aiton and that's that's not going to get it done that's not going to get it done defending this man as we all know as the Greek freak yeah so they Monty Williams is back to the drawing board for him about how can he stop this man. And let me tell you, Chris, so far he has been unsuccessful. And I don't see yeah, you, I, I don't see any way right now for them to slow him down unless unless he does it himself, which we saw him do jacking up a bunch of threes and perimeter shots, which we know is not Giannis's game. Once Mike Budenholzer, the Bucks head coach, finally told him, hey, man, attack the paint. And when he finally did that, the rest has been history because he, he's, he's back to playing in that M- NBA MVP form that we have been accustomed to seeing out of him. Oh, he's definitely been MVP of this series as well. No doubt about and, it. Like, even he, though they're still down. Yeah, even even in the in the losing games, he's been – He's carried them. Yeah, particularly game two, he showed He's, out. No doubt. He is he has put this Bucks team on his back, and then he finally gets the help that he needed in game three. You get a repeat for performance like that, and momentum has changed mightily in this series in favor of the Milwaukee Bucks. And then all of a sudden they're feeling unstoppable and phoenix is glad to be going back home on the hills a bit if the bucks yeah now now, of course you know we're not trying to get too ahead of ourselves because there's still a game four to be played in milwaukee with the bucks still still a game game away from from tying this series up and really questioning yeah like we said last week phoenix really only needs to win one of these games to feel good going back home just yes. to steal one of these and then you know it's the ball is in their court and they so have the home say. field they have the home field in this series which they is do. which is great for them because both teams have played well at home yeah. the i mean the, neither one of these games have been particularly close it's been double digit wins each one and it, and it's crazy considering what we touched on before the nba final started where the Suns in those two regular season contests only beat them by a point in both games. One of them just so happened to be in overtime. Maybe they'll save that for game seven. Wouldn't that be something? 
that would be going to like overtime have a one point win yeah that would be somewhat equivalent to game six Miami Heat versus San Antonio Spurs when Ray Allen hit that big oh, yeah. three pointer to tie it up descend it in overtime and then Miami took care of business in overtime then turned around and won game seven mm-hmm. right 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 so that that rebound because that was an awful shot by LeBron James. Let's just <laughs> set the record straight. But the rebound by Chris Bosh doesn't get talked about nearly enough as the shot from Ray Allen that Phil did. That rebound by Chris Bosh, well, that's, yeah. that's, that's why the Miami Heat signed him, boys mm-hmm. and girls, to that. Well, that and the way this series deal. is going, it could swing like that. It oh, just feels like this is going to go back and forth. It exactly, Chris. That's exactly what has transpired here in this series. It's it's been nothing but so far in three games. Whoever's playing at home has the upper hand, of course, but they end up dominating. Right, because like, I mean, Phoenix didn't really play a. It's not like they played a terrible game last night. Chris Paul did good they just don't have anybody to stop Giannis yeah they just they just got out out performed by that crazy by the crazy performance from Giannis and then of course like we mentioned Middleton and Holiday just had really good days so I'd like if if you don't mind Chris can you pull up Bobby Portis's and Robin Lopez's or Brooke Lopez's numbers I should say from game three yeah, give me a sec here. Because th- those are those are the other two big factors as well with scoring points in the paint for this Bucks squad. Oh, you said Lopez, Lopez and Portis. If Portis, you don't mind. yeah, Lopez. He got eleven points. And, yeah, yeah. And, uh, so that's yeah, that's that's what they need. They need two rebounds. They need Lopez and in, in double digits. And then Portis. That's that's good. Portis got eleven points off the bench. See, yeah, and uh, one assist, eight rebounds. So that's a really good performance if, from Portis. If those cats stay in double figures, Chris, the Bucks are winning the NBA championship. Well, yeah. Well, it's hard to. <laughs> they, 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 I can't imagine beating a team when everybody's playing that solid, and then you have one player just performing out of his mind like Giannis like that's unbeatable (laughs) that's what exactly exactly that's that's what wins you championship at the NBA level is your role guy stepping up and then the superstar dropping the hammer on you closing it out for you and that's exactly what Giannis did in game three along with some much needed and reliable reliable help in that game. And so, once again, we're not trying to get too ahead of ourselves, but the writing is on the wall right now to where if, if Monty Williams doesn't start double-teaming these guys in the paint and – is forcing their perimeter guys to make shots to beat them because that's 
that's certainly my game plan for the Suns going into this fourth game of this series is double teaming these guys in the paint and making them have to kick out and make clutch shots to beat you cuz right. that's that, that's what you want to happen. Well like I mean and here's some surprising facts from this. I mean technically speaking the Suns shot slightly better. They were 48.2% and the Bucks were 47.8%. The difference was in the paint. Yeah, the Bucks just had more opportunities. So even though they were shooting, you know, a little bit worse, they had more opportunities, and, also, and they did better from the free throw line. Also, Gian, Giannis went to the line a lot. Yeah, Giannis. Well. Giannis was thirteen it, from seventeen from the free throw line. So basically, it was just about the repeat performance from Game Two, where he was the only buck that went to the free throw line in Game Two, and it seems like Game Three was pretty much the same where Giannis went to the free throw line very 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 often yeah and then they were able to take advantage of their opportunities enough to well really not even make it a close game but that's exactly how Milwaukee closed out Atlanta is they were able to get their points in the paint and they forced Atlanta to beat them shooting wise, and and right. they 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 didn't do it in games five and six. Well, it just it's so hard. I mean, they did it like they had that one just incredible game, but it, you can't yeah. do that for four games. It's hard to yeah to to do it, something like that four out of seven games. And we know this Bucks team plays well on the defensive end as well, but. It certainly helped with everybody stepping up in that game three because, like you said, the Suns had just a little bit of a, a better shooting percentage. Well, and quick shout-out for, for somebody on the Suns, uh, Jay Crowder. He was 6 of 7 from three-point range with 18 points, six rebounds. Yeah. Good game, just didn't have yeah. uh, enough support. I guess mm-hmm. is the way to put it. Uh, even though Aiton scored 18 points, Paul with 19, it just it wasn't enough. Booker with 10 points needs need a little bit more from no from doubt Booker about it. There, no doubt about it. And if he if if he's on in that game three, you're looking at that game would have went down to the wire, in my opinion. Yeah, and then when you get into like that end where it's free throw time, who knows what happens at that point. Yes. So yes. So now the Milwaukee Bucks are now eight and one overall at home. They in, like Milwaukee in these playoffs. Looking to make it nine and one tomorrow night on ABC at eight o'clock. Yeah, feeling pretty good for them going into that. We'll see if the Suns can bounce back here, but the Suns may have to go back to Phoenix before they kind of yes. get their feet back under them. Yeah. Don't have any any bench depth. The starters are going to have to play at a high level and and play their tails off because they're they're certainly not not anybody that can step in for them to give them a break to give them production that way. So obviously, 
Milwaukee is really starting to be favored here, even though they're still down in this series. Yeah, the the series now, honestly, it feels more like a series that's even instead of being 2-1 right now. It already feels like... And I believe it will be after Wednesday night, late Wednesday night. This series will be tied going back to Phoenix for game five. Yeah, it's looking looking pretty good for that. So obviously we'll see what happens in Milwaukee between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns in game four tomorrow night on ABC. Certainly look like the Bucks have the upper hand all of a sudden. I'm looking to see somewhat of a repeat performance from Giannis and the rest of his battery mates helping him out to even this series up for the Bucks. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe another double-digit win for the Bucks, maybe around 10 yes. points or so. That's, yes. That's what I'm feeling. I, I certainly agree with you there. So we shall see, but... After Wednesday night, I do expect the Milwaukee Bucks to tie this thing up, heading back to Phoenix for game five. Well, all right, John Denver, we're going to move on to the we're All-Star the game. We're in the Rockies, Chris. <laughs> we are. We're at, uh, we're at Coors Field. For Oh, man, I thought we were at Mile High. <laughs> Join the Mile High Club, Chris. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, you know. Right we, across we, the street, I think. We saw some mile-high shots last night. My gosh, did we? Yeah. That was a always have fun with the home run derby. I mean, check out this stat, Chris. In the 2016 through 2019 home run derbies, there were only four 500-plus foot home runs. Last night's home run derby... There were 15 500-plus-foot homers. Yeah, yeah I, and I have to think part of that, of course, is players getting stronger and uh, better better techniques, but also just it's it's in Denver, that that thin air and yeah. uh, low humidity. I'm sure that helped as well. No doubt. Ball was flying out of Coors Field. There were some just – they were so bombs. fast. Coming out the coming off the bat, yeah. Oh yeah, and it it certainly helped that the the guys that competed in the home run derby last night were able to get guys to throw to them at such a quick such yeah. a quick pace, yeah. And they were able to they were able to react quick to it and. Really, yeah, they, really put some great swings on yeah, the they, baseball. They were swinging so quick. I kept thinking, man, I hope no one gets injured doing this because they were going yeah, at it at, so quick. Especially the guys that will be playing in the All-Star game tonight. And they right. also – there are also some guys that are contenders going into the second half of this season yeah. coming up. So you certainly – don't want to overdo it here. Well, one of those was a guy that won, Pete Alonzo. The Mets don't want him getting injured right now. Oh, my goodness, because, yeah, especially not because they're in first place right now in the East, and yeah. they're definitely going to be buyers at the trade deadline. 
I know Chris Bryant from my Chicago Cubs. His name is popping up an awful lot. It's going to be weird if to see him in a Mets uniform. Hey, Mets, go ahead and give us Thor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but you <laughs> give like us that. Or, 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 or uh, here in a little bit, we'll talk about a a player that they ended up drafting in the first round. They might could give him up for Chris Bryant quite possibly. Oh, but yeah. we'll, we'll touch into that later mm-hmm. in the show, especially on this MLB section of our yeah, show baseball. today. But yeah, Pete, Pete Alonzo, repeat, did it again. He sure did. He joins Yoannis Cespedes and King Griffey Jr. as the only players to win back-to-back home run derbies. Man, I miss King Griffey Jr. Me too. I hated so much he got He was there last so night, much. though. Yeah, it was good to see him out there. He was. He, he was a part of the broadcast at one point. Mm-hmm. And so... Obviously, he had, in my honest opinion, the sweetest swing I've oh, ever seen. Beautiful swing. I know a lot of people, especially in the home run derby, you know, when he would have his cap cap on backwards, is doing that sweet swing as we always saw him do. A lot of people were wanting the MLB logo to be changed to that. <laughs> now, that so, would have been, been cool. That had been really dope, but... Yeah, Pete Alonzo, back-to-back home run derbies. I saw Chris where his salary right now is only six hundred and sixty thousand. Wow. Okay. And and you win a million dollars if you win the home run derby. Now he's won it two years in a row. No wonder he's so adamant to be in the home run derby. <laughs> he gets more two, money from that than his salary. No doubt. And he's he's made he has made more. In this two straight home run derby champion run, than he has in his career thus far. In his uh, just regular career. Wow. Okay, then. I, I didn't know that. That's incredible. And <laughs> I am. It kind of sucks he beat uh, Trey Mancini, though, because you were talking about last week how yeah. he was sort of the the good story favorite to win. Yeah, him and, tri- him of, and of course, Trevor Story, right. uh, the the hometown kid. Yeah. They're in Colorado, Rocky Land. But Mancini wow. was close, got beat at the end. That sounded pretty good there, Colorado, Rocky Land. <laughs> Rolls off the tongue, Colorado, Rocky Land. <laughs> Rocky Mountain High in Colorado, as I sung at the top of the show uh-huh. <laughs> by John Denver. But so yeah, let's let's kind of go go back into those results, Chris. Let's start on that left side of the bracket as Juan Soto, the eighth seed, upset the number one seeded. Mega superstar all of a sudden in show Hey Otani. Yeah, and Otani just started so cold. He got more hot towards the end of his his Bout came Bout came back and tied it up against Soto, which would have led to a, a well, home run derby runoff or whatever you want to call well, it. Well well he did tie it up and then it went to that like extra 
30 seconds or minute, whatever it is. And then uh, they tied again. So they had to do the three swings. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. The three swings. And uh, I, Soto I, hit all of his, but Otani, I think, only got one. I, I kept forgetting a lot last night about that 30-second bonus for sure. Well, it's it's a lot different than it used to be. And wasn't it if a player hit one 475 feet or more that it stretched out to a minute bonus? I thought I saw that last night, but I... I knew that there was different... Uh, yeah. Yeah. They got I, an extra I know, minute somehow. I, I know if they... I know it's at first if they get to a certain number, they get the bonus. Right. But I, I guess it's the distance that gives you that extra 30-minute bonus. Which makes sense. I just... Listen, when I watch the home run derby, I just kind of sit back and <laughs> I don't I don't oh, yeah. get too worried about it. So it's a it's definitely a player and fan event for yeah, sure. It's good and to see the players just laughing and having fun, which no Otani doubt. was, even though he lost. He was he was like laughing the whole time he was oh, yeah. playing. Yeah, but I'm certainly am glad that he got upset in that first round because he's going to be pitching and leading off in the batting order in tonight's MLB All-Star game. Which is just so cool. I love it. I do, too. It's what the fans wanted to see, and MLB is making sure that they're giving the fans that they want for sure. Mm -hmm. But after that upset with Soto over Otani, you had Pete Alonzo, as we just touched on, that just went – one back-to-back derbies here. He defeated number four-seeded Salvador Perez. No shocker there. Yeah. And then in the semifinal of the left side of the bracket, Pete Alonso defeated Juan Soto to move on to the championship round. Yep. So that was your champion of the left side. Now on to the right side of the bracket where we had upsets galore here as the hometown hero Trevor Story the seventh seed upsetted the two seed Joey Gallo what a story and the other fan favorite the man that defeated cancer and and God God bless him stage three Trey Mancini who was the sixth seed defeated the third seed, Matt Olson. So then your two feel-good stories are going up against each other. They did, and obviously, pardon the pun here, but Trevor Story got off to a rocky start in that <laughs> oh semifinal matchup. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Chris, it's a Colorado day. Yeah, it is. It is on this show, I might add, <laughs> here on Sport Fanatics. And we certainly do appreciate you for listening to us today as we are kidding around here, but we're having a good time, uh, yeah. people. So, mm-hmm. but we promise we're not filming in Colorado right now. But unfortunately <laughs> for Trevor's story, the avalanche finally came to an end <laughs> as Mancini <laughs> defeated. Trevor's story to move on to the championship round where he loses to yeah. Alonzo in bonus time, I might add, because yep. that it, uh, that was a great that was a great final 
there that we saw from those two cats. Yeah, Mancini did great. It just that Alonzo, Alonzo he got hot yeah. like he like he did late, and he gets that bonus time and he takes advantage of it because if I remember correctly, his first six pitches of bonus time he hits them all out of Coors Field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was he was on fire. So Pete Alonzo repeats. But this was this was the overall stat. Oh, okay. okay. Overall. Okay, so you got three hundred and nine home runs hit by all competitors. Okay. Sixty nine home runs for four hundred and seventy five or more feet. Nice. Two six point two eight miles of home runs. <laughs> the longest home run hit in the contest was a five hundred and twenty foot bomb by Juan Soto. And 117 miles per hour was the hardest hit home run. They were both by Pete Alonzo and Shohei Otani. Yeah, I remember one of those from Otani just rocketed off the bat. And Pete Alonzo's 35 home runs in the first round of tonight's home run derby, or last night's home run derby, I should say, was a new first round record. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Oh yeah, not not pops. Yeah, but his son, he held the old mark of twenty nine home runs. I remember that round, and it was also the third highest total for any round of the Derby behind Guerrero's forty and Jock Peterson of my Chicago Cubs, his thirty nine during the two thousand and nineteen semifinals. Yeah, it's hard to beat it when uh, you get over 30. But I also remember that, that 40, you said 41 in that one round by... It was, four, yeah, 40, 40 by 40. Vlad Guerrero Flat. Jr. Yeah, in I remember, 2019. I remember that. That was insane. And Peterson just about tied him up. I know. That was 39. Cr- if he'd have been so against close. anybody else, he'd have had it. No doubt. But I just wanted to throw those last stats at you before we moved on here yeah on the podcast well yeah it's cool it's all it's kind of it's interesting to to hear those but tonight we got the all-star game coming up and we went over the the rosters already so i guess we can just sort of they have changed though chris oh yes they have changed due to injuries oh yeah yeah some of the due to injuries and, and and guys opting out so Without further ado, let's start off with the American League lineup tonight as Shohei Otani, Mr. Showtime himself, pardon the pun, will be leading off as the designated hitter, and he will also be your starter on the mound for the American League. Yeah, we should love to see. For That's so cool. Kevin Cash's all-star American League squad, the head coach uh, from the Tampa Bay Rays, as Tampa Bay continues to dominate the world of sports right yeah. now. Well, it feels like half the American League team is from Tampa Bay. No doubt. But Continue. No doubt. But <laughs> Otani is leading off and pitching tonight. How about this batting second, Vlad Guerrero Jr. at first base? All right. Behind yeah. him. 
Xander Bogorts, the shortstop from the Boston Red Sox. Okay. Your boy, Aaron Judge, hey, hey. the right fielder from the New York Yankees, is batting fourth. Thank you for being healthy. Please stay healthy. Bogarts's infield battery mate, Rafael Devers, bats fifth and is playing third base tonight for the American League squad. Okay. Batting sixth is Marcus Simeon, playing second base from the Oakland Athletics. Batting seventh is Salvador Perez, the catcher from the Kansas City Royals. Mm-hmm. Batting eighth will be Kike Hernandez, another Boston Red Sox player, as he will be playing left field for the American League team. Batting ninth, Mullins will be playing center field, and that rounds out the American League lineup tonight. Moving on to the National League side, Fernando Tatis Jr. will lead off from the San Diego Padres playing shortstop. Batting second, Max Muncy, the designated hitter from the Los Angeles Dodgers. Batting third is third baseman Nolan Arenado from the St. Louis Cardinals. Batting fourth will be Freddie Freeman, playing first base from the Atlanta Braves. Batting fifth, one of my favorite players, and I've got a soft spot for this guy too because the Cubs acquired him in a deadline deal a couple of years ago and why they never decided to lock him up still haunts me to this day because he's he's in the same division as the Cubs now, but his name is Nick Castellanos, and he will be playing right field tonight, and he's from the Cincinnati Reds. Mm. Batting sixth is his outfield counterpart from those same Cincinnati Reds. Oh, yeah. In Jesse Winker, he will be playing left field tonight. I remember it being a outfield outfield of, of red when we talked about it last week. Even more ironic enough, now that I have mentioned back-to-back Cincinnati Reds that will, of course, be in this National yep. League Take lineup batting fifth and sixth. So back-to-back Cincinnati Reds, a guy who I saw live – at the Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati, hit a home run. Oh. We'll be batting seventh, Chris, <laughs> and his name is JT Realmuto. Oh, uh, okay. Playing yeah. catcher tonight. He's from the Miami Marlins, so mm-hmm. he'll be he'll be behind the dish tonight for the National League team. Batting eighth is Reynolds, Pittsburgh Pirate. He will be playing center field. And a teammate of his who a lot of Mississippi State fans are familiar with this name, Adam Frazier. Oh, okay. Yeah. He bats right behind his teammate yeah. from those Pittsburgh Pirates. And Adam Frazier will be playing second base. So it's nice to see a Mississippi State standout get the start for the National League yeah. squad. All star player. Tonight. And then on the mound, I know you're going to like this. I know you're going to like this. Mad Max. 
<laughs> Max Scherzer uh. is on the mound tonight for the National League squad. And David Dave Roberts said it best during his press conference the other day. He decided to go with Scherzer because after, of course, not having the All-Star game last season due to COVID and the Nationals weren't able to be represented coming off of the World Series win, mm, right. which, which which was unfortunate yeah. that that happened. But obviously Max Scherzer had a lot to do with that NLDS monumental upset. For sure. Helping the Nationals overcome a two-to-one series deficit. Facing elimination was actually just a few outs away from elimination. When Howie Kendrick hit that big grand slam to help keep Washington alive, you know, Mm -hmm. against that number one seeded Dodgers team out of the National League playoff picture there. And so, obviously, that's a class act by Dave Roberts going with Max Scherzer, who, unfortunately, his team and and him himself, they weren't able to be rewarded and, and, and really be recognized for, for what they did in the 2019 yeah. playoffs, well, w- a- winning their first franchise's national – or. World Series, I should say. Yeah. Well, it's definitely but, a nice gesture, but I mean, also, it's not like it's undeserved. He, heck so, of a pitcher. Yeah. He, he, he has shown it for years, and I know you love the movie Mad Max. So, oh, yeah. Especially Fury Road. So, yeah. So, Mad Max is on the mound tonight for your National League All-Star squad. All right. And it's so hard to predict. It's honestly hard to predict these all-star games because, I mean, it could you have the best players from both leagues. Now, of course, the American League has, has, dominated. has dominated the past two decades. Yes. So They have the better lineup, too, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I, we'll see if pitching can make a difference, but, I, I mean, it's easy to lean towards the American League, especially for me because I'm kind of an, an American League a little bit biased towards the American League anyway. I'm not going to lie to you, Chris. I have Shohei Otani getting off to a rocky start. Oh, you think so? In this game tonight in Denver, Colorado, mm. home of the Colorado Rockies, I might add. Oh. As he starts off facing Fernando Tatis I mean, that's Jr. Tough. Yeah, that's a tough line. Then up. Max Muncy. Power. Cat has power. And then... You got to deal with Arenado batting third and Freeman batting fourth. So there's obviously power. You know what'd be amazing though if he could uh, hit a home run in the top half of that first and then strike out the side in the bottom half of the first. Yes, that'd be incredible. <laughs> if that happens, yes. just MVP for the game. Yeah, that that would be what Pedro Martinez esque, where he struck out. He struck oh, out yeah. the side in it in one inning. I forgot about work. that. That's, so yeah, that would yeah. be. But but you think it'll be a, a a difficult start or rocky as you put it? Yes. Okay. Yeah, a rocky start. <laughs> Pardon the pun, but once again we're 
We're on a Colorado binge today on the Sport Fanatics podcast. Uh-huh. So why not? <laughs> but I like I like one through five in the National League order. You just think the bottom half is a little bit it is less. Okay. What I like about the American League lineup is that they have a bunch of contact guys that that, that can put the ball in play, and that's exactly what you have to do against Mad Max Scherzer on the mound to to get you going. But I like the National League getting out in front early and then the American League do their thing where they just they creep up and they creep up and then bam hit you with the big home run or or two yeah. out double or something. Well, I will say this, if it's close in the last inning and the American League brings out Chapman to close it, I'm going to be really nervous about that cuz well, sort of had a rough couple of months yeah. here. So we'll see how that goes. Well, I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe a Chicago White the Chicago White Sox closer is a part of this bring him out all-star yes. game he's been great his name is liam Hendricks, the mm-hmm. former oakland a bring him out to close it yeah and not chapman if you want to put chapman in like put him in the eighth or something because chapman's problem is is he gets too cute with the slider <laughs> and that ends up being his downfall yeah as the slider ends up being crushed right. rather rather than just just beat them with their fastball yeah. man they can't catch up or to it. If he get if he's getting cute with the slider, he'll like miss and like walk the bases. That too, loaded. Or, or he starts overthrowing with his fastball. Yeah, that's another reason for his. Well, and that being said, I mean, obviously, we know Chapman is uh, one of the premier great closers. closers yeah, but he's he definitely had some issues lately. He, he's had a rocky first half of this season, <laughs> <laughs> as have the Yankees. Yeah, it, it's. How about that series, though, Chris? The troll jobs of both teams. You know, you get that Aaron Judge so, or it was I, I think it was a two-run shot, maybe. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he rounds third and he does the Altuve celebration <laughs> from whenever Altuve walked off Chapman, yeah. ironically, to advance the Astros to the World Series, where it was later discovered that they beat the trash can. They watched the opposing teams and how they were pitching yep. their hitters, and they were able to adjust due to cheating. Mm-hmm. But so he he goes around third, and he he close he closes his he closes his jersey. It's like don't rip it off, you know. And then speaking of Altuve he hits a walk off what was it three run bomb when the Yankees in the just bottom of the gave night. up a huge lead but yeah so obviously not a great way to end the first half of the season for your Yankees no but uh who look like they may they may very well be sellers at the trade deadline yeah we'll see about that but I mean yeah they're like around that cusp where it's kind of hard to know what to do but I, yeah. I wouldn't be that disappointed if they decided to sell well they certainly got value from chapman yeah in 2016 where the cubs traded them five players Mm -hmm. to get chapman so 
But uh, oh, to round this out, I guess about the All Star game. Well, one, uh, those players who are sitting because of like injury or something, where they like have little nagging stuff, I don't fault them at all. That's like, I totally get it. Yeah, I, yeah. The the obvious, focus on your main team yes. and your fan base there. Yeah, obvi- obviously, you want those players to be healthy for second half runs, spe- especially late in September. Coincidentally, Altuve is one of those. But yeah, but yeah. And, and also, especially guys that have a lot of trade value going forward late this month, as the trade oh, deadline true. is fastly approaching here. True in july so so yeah, yeah you you can't you can't fault those guys at all for wanting to be healthy and and use this as a chance to rest no doubt and to be able to be healthy enough to have some great second half performances for their teams for mm-hmm. sure oh and one last thing about the all-star game didn't you have a crazy story about the uh, they found some like guns or something that were being stored at a hotel they, room. They sure did. They sure did. Colorado police discovers 16 long guns, body armor, and over 1,000 rounds of ammunition in a hotel room near Coors Field. Yeah, it had like, from where they were uh, that staying, was a, they like could look over the field, right? Like that, they could see it. This was reported on July the 10th, late at night at 11.16. So late, late that night, this was reported. Four people were arrested including one person who wrote on Facebook that he will, and I quote, go out in a big way, close quote. Yeah, apparently he was having a rough time after a divorce, which is like, really? <laughs> like you, you just got divorced and your solution is to, well, it looks like they were trying to do a Las Vegas yeah. type deal yeah, going that, on. That's, that's exactly what it definitely sounded like to me as well. Yeah, I mean... And all these guys, they were four people. Looks like they were all in their forties. Yeah, young, uh, you know, younger, younger adults. Yeah, just. Well, I mean, we're just so fortunate that that the police that the police got a tip. Yeah, and, somebody and were in the able public. to were able to really catch this in time of a major disaster. Yeah, so like that would have that would have really have just been a, a not only another cloud in our nation's history but but also put a real damper on what has so far been a great all-star oh yeah well all-star game week is always meant to be fun so oh yeah i mean gosh it'd been so awful for something like this to happen so uh really fortunate that they got caught and and uh we'll hopefully get the book thrown at them yeah yeah <laughs> obviously going forward tonight as last night was great but obviously going forward tonight you do expect Colorado police to be surveilling the area yeah there'll be a little bit of a uh probably a little bit of a nervousness 
yes. in the air as well. Yes. And, of course, there was a great crowd last night for the Home Run Derby. I expect there to be that same type of a crowd in tonight's All-Star game. But, yeah, just a lot of security manning every possible perimeter, especially in that hotel where they – they found all of this and were able to arrest those four people. Yeah, could you imagine if you were just happened to have like a room next door and you found out that they were right next to you that oh whole time? Oh my goodness. Ugh. Yeah, I, I I can't even imagine that, Chris. Or like you were cleaning the room. Ooh. No, well, I mean they haven't said who in the public gave them the tip. I mean, it could have been another hotel yeah, uh, person like yeah. a person staying at the hotel who happened to see him go in there was suspiciously or now who whoever whoever you know. found found this person saying quote go out in a big way close quote it, it is a guy to be really thanked here. Oh yeah, and because that if that, that was that, what reported it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Now if that was definitely the tip, whoever discovered that needs to be really thank thanked for for what he did here getting the colorado police involved likely saved dozens of lives no doubt about it no doubt about it but uh you just you just hope and pray that there's not a major disaster in tonight's all-star game where a lot of people are still on vacation and and spending their their hard earned money on a fantastic all-star game that i that we all expect to see tonight yeah so fun so our thoughts and prayers are definitely to our to those officers out in the denver area tonight for sure and we just we just can't thank them enough for what they do uh sacrificing themselves you know of course to help help keep us a free country but also to keep us safe and and we certainly we certainly are thinking and and praying about them tonight as this all-star game gets going here later on but we certainly thank them for for being able to catch this before there there was a a major disaster and and we certainly thank them for all that they do well and before we get off the mlb uh should probably touch on the draft real quick uh we because we talked about that last week the you know we looked at a projection for who those top 10 picks would be when of course now we know uh, that Sunday has passed. Uh, who went where? Well, we obviously had a shocking surprise here with the first overall pick. Yeah, as really. Henry Davis, catcher, the quoted quoted by Major League Scouts as the best hitter, best overall hitter in this draft class. He rises from a mock draft having him go fifth to first overall as the Pittsburgh Pirates selected him. 
number one overall. So that was Henry Davis, the catcher from Dan McDonald's Louisville Cardinals. Yeah, how about that? Second, not a shocker here. Yeah, this is what we, we expected. We expected this. We called this on last Friday's podcast as no-brainer here. The Rangers take Jack Leiter, the right-handed pitcher from Vanderbilt, son of former Major League great Al Leiter. They take him with the second overall pick. Yep, yep, yep. A guy who I mentioned during our mock draft discussion, he could either go as high as three to possibly nine or ten in the first ten picks of this draft. He ends up... That highest point. He ends up going number three his name is jackson job the right-handed pitcher from heritage hall high school out of oklahoma city oklahoma he was an old miss rebel commitment and not anymore what well, yes yeah. he's fixing to sign a lucrative deal to become a part of that detroit tigers organization going third overall so he definitely sorry mike bianco he definitely ain't coming to oxford now He's taking his talents to Detroit, Rock City. (laughs) I'm telling you, it's a a great day. It's a great day for puns, Chris. (laughs) Great day to have fun. You got to love it. Pick number four. Now, this player had been projected the number one overall pick for months, weeks, you name it. He... Felt like he was going to be the unanimous number one overall pick. He slides down to number four here. Kind of feels like a steal for the Red Sox. Oh, no question about it. No question about it. And he is not only the best shortstop out of this class, but he's going to be a mainstay mid midfield for those Boston Red Sox as they select with the fourth overall pick marcelo meyer the shortstop from east lake high school out of chula vista california at number five the baltimore orioles selected colton Kowser, the outfielder from sam houston state university so a guy that was not even in the top 10 Snuck on up and a lot there. of mock drafts, he climbed his way up to number five there. Number six. Now, right here was where a lot of speculation had Jack Leiter's battery mate in that starting rotation in Vanderbilt, Kumar Rocker, had going to here Thought he'd go pick to number the six to the Diamondbacks but that was not the case as the Diamondbacks selected another high school shortstop out of Je- out of Jesuit prep in Dallas Texas in Jordan Lawler so Lawler is picked by the Diamondbacks instead of Kumar Rocker huh. when I was listening to the broadcast on Sirius XM this was a spot right here that felt like a no-brainer that they talked about 
where Kumar Rocker should go here at number seven to the Kansas City Royals. Mm-hmm. And the Kansas City Royals did go with the pitcher, but not, but not Rocker. Kumar. They instead go with Frank Mazzucato, a left-handed pitcher out of East Catholic High School. So a, another player, especially a high school player, wasn't even projected to go in the top ten, has a fast rising climb yeah. as the Royals decide to take him over Kumar Rocker there with the seventh pick. Really rocking it up there. And as this show has been based upon here today as we've had this Colorado theme the Colorado Rockies had the eighth pick and they actually stuck with the guy who many many of mock drafts had the Rockies selecting here so they they ended up sticking with this player and it was Benny Montgomery an outfielder out of Redland High School in Lewisbury Pennsylvania so the Rockies stick with they're a guy that they had on all of the mock drafts mm, just as before. Okay. Yeah, absolutely, Chris, as expected. The ninth pick, this would have been another time to where they could have, a, you know, a team could have selected Kumar Rocker. But the Angels decided not to do so as they took a pitcher. A right-handed pitcher at that. Yes, a Right-handed pitcher as well. But it was Sam Bachman out of Miami of Ohio University. Not to be confused with Miami, Florida, but Mm -hmm. Miami, Ohio. Miami of Ohio University. And then finally, to round out the top ten, Kumar Rocker was finally selected as the Mets picked him so it kind of feels like another situation where it could be a steal for an organization at number 10 i just want to run through the rest of the rest of the first round if i may chris and and i'd also like to do a fun little you know notable notable draftees out of players that that played in the state of mississippi all right yeah we'll do a blitz through here yeah yeah we're i'm just going to go ahead and run through it Let's see, pick number 11, Washington Nationals selected shortstop out of Winderboro High School. Pick number 12, Seattle Mariners selected Harry Ford out of North Cobb High School. Pick number 13, Philadelphia Phillies selected Andrew Painter, pitcher out of Calvary Christian Academy. Pick number 14, Best player overall in the College World Series. He helped Mississippi State win their first national title. Not only in baseball, but in sports history in Starkville. As the San Francisco Giants selected Will Bednar at pick number 14. Sal Freelick who was projected to go in the top 10. He falls to number 15 as the Milwaukee Brewers selected him. He's an outfielder out of Boston College. Khalil Watson was another player that dropped out of the top 10 as he falls to number 16 to the Miami Marlins out of Wake Forest High School. 
Matt McLean was selected at 17 to the Cincinnati Reds, shortstop out of UCLA. Michael McGreevy selected at pick number 18 by the St. Louis Cardinals. He is a pitcher out of UC Santa Barbara. Gunnar Hoagland. Hey, hey. Ole Miss Rebel. Pitcher selected number 19 overall to the Toronto Blue Jays. Welcome to Canada. I don't know if you like this pick a ton, Chris, but Trey Sweeney, the shortstop out of Eastern Illinois, went to your New York Yankees at number 20. I don't hate it. We'll see what happens. And how about this? From Yankees to Cubs. <laughs> your Yankees to my Cubs. Yeah, how about that? Back-to-back picks, I might add, as the Cubs selected Jordan Wicks, a southpaw pitcher out of Kansas State at pick number 21. And then Chicago, we stay there. That's right, we do. As we stay, but we go to the south side of Chicago for the 27th overall pick. As the White Sox selected shortstop Colson Montgomery from Southridge High School. Pick number 23 belonged to the Cleveland Indians as they selected ECU hurler Gavin Williams, who did a phenomenal job for Cliff Godwin's Pirates all season long. Pick number 24 belonged to the Atlanta Braves as they take pitcher Ryan Kusick from Wake Forest. How about this? Not too long ago, the Oakland Athletics had a player in their organization named Max Muncy. Mm-hmm. Decided to release him. He gets signed by the Los Angeles Dodgers and completely upstarts a fascinating turnaround of his career as he helped the Los Angeles Dodgers to the World Series last season. So you figured, okay, gosh, I hate we let that Max Muncy go. So they thought they'd try again. And they did, Chris, as they take another Max Muncy, but a shortstop this time, out of Thousand Oaks High School. Maybe second time is the charm. So they do get another Max Muncy in their form system. Pick number 26 belonged to the Minnesota Twins as pitcher Chase Petty is selected out of Mainland Regional High School. Pick 27, San Diego Padres selected shortstop Jackson Merrill from Saverna Park High School. Pick number 28 went to the reigning defending American League champions as the Tampa Bay Rays selected shortstop Carson Williams from Torrey Heights, Torrey Pines High School, I should say. Pick number 29 went to those world champion Los Angeles Dodgers as they selected pitcher Maddox Bruns out of UMS Wright Prep School. And then lastly here, to finish off the first round, which was a, a comp- compensation pick, I might add. Pick number 30 went to the Cincinnati Reds as they selected outfielder 
J. Allen II from John Carroll High School. So that rounds out the first round. Now, here are some notable draftees that you might not have heard or were aware of. Second round, pick number 58, the Cleveland Indians selected Southpaw left-handed pitcher from Ole Miss, Doug Nikhazy. Go get him, Doug. So he is another pitcher that will not return to Mike Bianco's Rebel squad as Mike Bianco in just the first two rounds of this draft lose three pitchers to his pitching rotation, taking a major hit there. Yeah. Comp pick at number 65, the Baltimore Orioles selected Reed Trimble, the outfielder from Southern Miss that had an incredible Oxford Regional, which I saw up close and personal. There's speculation that he might he might turn down the Baltimore Orioles to stay at Southern Miss, and let me tell you, if he does, the Southern Miss Golden Eagles are to be Feared to be dangerous. Feared. Yeah. Reckon with, because obviously the best bat in that Southern Miss lineup, and we all saw firsthand in that Oxford Regional how much those Golden Eagles could mash at the plate. Going to the third round, Chris, at pick number 88, the Miami Marlins selected Jordan McCants, the shortstop from Pent. Pensacola Catholic High School who is a Mississippi State commit but doesn't that name sound familiar as his brother it does his brother plays for the Ole Miss Rebels <laughs> we'll, it, we'll see what and, he does that could have been an interesting brother TJ, rivalry TJ McCants mm-hmm. the outfielder so it certainly looks like that his younger brother, Jordan, who's a Mississippi State commit, has a tough decision to make on his hands as he was selected in the third round by the Miami Marlins. Let's head to the fourth round, Chris, at pick number 109 as those Colorado Rockies selected catcher Hunter Goodman from Memphis. Okay. So how about a, how about a Memphis player getting getting taken relatively high? Yeah, going in the fourth round there, sticking in the fourth round, pick one eighteen. The Miami Marlins selected SEC Player of the Year and National Champion out of Mississippi State, Tanner Allen, the outfielder. So let's now head to the fifth round with the next two picks. Pick number 139 goes to the Kansas City Royals as they selected another Mississippi State national champion player, pitcher Eric Sarantola. Staying in the fifth round, pick 159, the Minnesota Twins selected, you guessed it, another Mississippi State pitcher in Christian McLeod. I obviously think that he will turn down the Twins' offer and he will come back to Mississippi State after a disappointing remainder of his season, which is devastating because he was once a 
possible first round yeah, he's, selection. He's going to want to go he, higher than that. And he pitched his way down big time as he falls all the way to the fifth round here. So Mississippi State fans coming for me, you're going to like what I hear here. Hear, hear. As Christian McLeod, I do believe, comes back to campus in Starkville. In the sixth round, pick 185, the Chicago White Sox selected the closer from Ole Miss, Taylor Broadway. So, once again, another blow to Mike Bianco's pitching squad as now his closer, he loses his closer in the sixth round to the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, looking mighty thin. So... Take that now as four pitchers. Three of them will not return to the team, and one of them was the third pick overall coming out of high school, who's definitely not coming now. He That young man just made millions of dollars. And... Lastly, here in the seventh round, and I just I just stuck with second through seventh here. Okay. But in the seventh round, pick 220, the San Diego Padres selected Ryan Oach, a pitcher from Southern Miss. A lot of pitchers. Well, this was a – if you were a scout and you were talking to your, your head people – of your franchise that you work for, it was obviously a great year to draft a shortstop <laughs> or, or a pitcher. Or a pitcher. Yeah. And one more thing, Chris, if I can if I can say about the draft before we round things out. I'd like to do some really neat stats here. Okay. Round one breakdown of the MLB draft. 15 players out of high school were selected. Now, once again, this is all in the in just the first round. Yeah, round 15 one. high school players were selected in the first round. So it's half. Other was five. SEC had four players selected in the first round. The ACC had three players selected. Big 12 and Pac-12 with one player apiece. And here's another draft breakdown here. As 11 shortstops were drafted on day one. Incredible. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. High school players, 19. College players, 17. Pictures, Selected 15 and positional player selected 21. Huh. Okay. So there you have a breakdown yeah. of, of who was selected. Okay. There. So, uh, but once again, the obvious stat that pops out to me here was that 11 shortstops were drafted on day one. Yeah, that's a high and percentage. And a majority of them in that first round were players out of high school. It's like people are looking for their Derek Jeter. <laughs> oh, no question about it. And and once again, going back to me listening to the 
draft on satellite radio because I was on my way home from seeing my, my brother Lee in Martin, Tennessee, where he lives and works at. He, he works at the University of Tennessee, Martin. So shout out to my brother Lee. Yeah, I loved you. and I, Shout out to Lee. I sure did enjoy spending time with you Sunday evening. But, yeah, a lot of those high school shortstops definitely were asked if they compared their game to Derek Jeter or if they idolized Derek Jeter growing up. And a bunch of them said yes, as you would have expected. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was my favorite player growing up. I know the that generation. Listening to the interview with the, the player, the shortstop that fell to your New York Yankees, he said that his favorite player growing up was Ken Griffey Jr. Oh. But he he definitely he he definitely talked about watching a lot of Derek Jeter. Uh-huh. And and of course admiring him and now he plays the same position. But I I thought that was really neat how he said that his favorite player growing up was Ken Griffey Jr. Oh, was well, I mean a great player to to look up to. No doubt about it. So. And and I'm I'm sure I'm sure he he lived in Ohio as Oh yeah, that would explain things. Quite possibly quite possibly from that area as well. Yeah. But yeah, he he definitely mentioned that as he was being interviewed the other night. But anyway, that's that's it. That's all that I have from the major league draft. And well, thank it, you, J. Mike. It was cert oh, you got it. You got it. And it certainly was it certainly was fun to keep up with this year for sure because I know a lot of Mississippi State fans and, and Ole Miss fans as ourselves, Chris, were really anxious to see where certain guys went and if it was quite possible if they fell in this draft, would there be any slight indication of them stepping back on their respective campuses and it looks like a bunch of these guys are going to go pro no question about it and certainly for the mississippi state fan base the players that are leaving their program went out with the bang so to speak as they they win their first national championship in baseball and in sports history down there in Starkville. But obviously those fans will always remember those players in their hearts and minds as those players start to begin their professional path to quite possibly and, and very hopeful of a career in the big leagues one day. And then there's questions with the two Southern Miss players. Reed Trimble going in the third round to the Baltimore Orioles. Will he decide to come back and really help out a Southern Miss lineup that would be absolutely dangerous going into next college baseball season? And the pitcher Ryan Oach 
was drafted in the seventh round by the San Diego Padres. You certainly would like for him to come back to campus and to help out on the mound to help help that help that lethal lineup out. Mm-hmm. So, um, very possible that both players could come back to that Southern Miss program to where they're a legit. Well, they were, I mean, they just missed out on hosting a regional this year. So, yeah, and unfortunately, they got put in Ole Miss's regional, and they they yeah. just fell short in that game seven winner take all game. But you obviously know that they've learned a lot from that experience, and it's going to help them going forward in the 2022 college baseball season. And it's one that I very well. You very well could see the Southern Miss Golden Eagles going to a Super Regional, competing where all they had to do, all they have to do next is to win two games and they're in the College World Series. So so certainly a lot to think about there for both of those players on whether they want to come back or not and also, the, the Memphis catcher, how about him going in the fourth round? A Memphis player going pretty high, going pretty high in the draft, which is something that we don't see out of that program, which is very unfortunate. Yeah, you don't see that very often. But it certainly doesn't help that your your counterparts on the recruiting trail are Ole Miss, Mississippi State, out of the SEC powerhouse programs there, Southern Miss, Obviously, recruiting at a high level. Arkansas is right there. Arkan, yeah, and then like you said, you have to worry about Arkansas, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt in that state. Yeah, Tennessee and Vanderbilt. Yeah, kind of the odd man out. And so, they certainly have a hard time recruiting. But really nice to see a Memphis player getting drafted in the fourth round, getting drafted that high. So. Whether or not he decides to go pro, we don't know that yet. But if he does, man, congratulations. Congratulations to you. And congratulations to that, that Memphis baseball program on on getting out a, a, a pretty high pick in the MLB draft out of that program. So anyway, that that's that's all I wanted to discuss about with the MLB draft and it certainly was an exciting one. And it was one that I really enjoyed looking at the other night and certainly was fascinated by it by a number of reasons, but it, it, it turned out, it turned out very exciting, very exciting, very fascinating. And it was good to have it after the uh, uh, college playoffs were done no doubt postseason and also you said it was in denver right yes on site so like on site of the all-star festivities going on they should keep doing that and keep it with the all-star game they do and they also yes uh going on from that chris as we're closing out mlb draft discussion here on the podcast they had about a about a 20 player combine for once and this was the first combine that they've ever done for you know draftees draftable players especially especially first round guys 
and it pretty much was four guys that went in the first round. And it's something that they experimented on. And from what I heard the other night from the draft, it apparently went better than people thought. And so only, of course, the goal is to make it better from here, here on out. And you certainly hope and, and, and would think that it that it does. But one player who was selected in the first round said that they would encourage anybody that's invited to this thing going forward, as I'm sure it's it will be expanded going forward, to definitely go and attend it because who knows your your draft stock could rise all of a sudden and i mean it could have helped swing things with those players that were moving around there at the end no doubt and from what we from all the surprises that we saw in the first round especially in the top 10 chris that combine had to have helped out some guys and I believe it certainly did, as we had some surprises in just the top ten there of the first round. So, so yeah, the the combine went went better than expected, and you obviously hope and and want the combine to only grow and get better going forward. But a great first run out of the combine for the for major league baseball and anyway that that wraps it up for major league draft coverage all right one thing i mentioned on the at the beginning of the show was that uh, crazy story involving les miles which he's already had some issues in kansas that got him released from that job the 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 sexual harassment Mm. allegations that we heard about but now we have something else where also at LSU. Oh yeah, yeah. He 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 was accused of that same crime at LSU when he was in that tenure of his career in Baton Rouge. Well, I think it was those leftovers that yeah got him released from yes. Kansas. It was the stuff that happened at LSU. Yeah, but yeah, but now we yeah. found out that while he was at Kansas, apparently they basically paid a player to be quiet about some some it's more than just threats yeah it, it, it threats was like of violent yeah violent threats against him and his family while he was a player there at kansas and a, paid him a pretty good bit just to keep his mouth shut what was it fifty thousand dollars yeah uh apparently there's at least fifty thousand in, in benefits oh in benefits okay yeah to to finish out his like his his uh, courses online with Kansas, oh, and to like, I got you. and to okay. pay him like to move back home and to basically go away. Okay. So I mean they they paid him a bit extra than what was necessary. Yeah, yeah. But, but just yeah. Ma- mainly went towards education to finish his okay his 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 yeah all that out without pay- playing football. So yeah. he's basically on scholarship yeah. without being on scholarship at that point. But yeah, he uh, apparently uh, he was fullback. Uh, well, I should mention his name, uh, Caperton Humphrey. Uh, 
or Caperton. You have to forgive me. I don't know if, if it's Caperton or Caperton. But uh, last name Humphrey, fullback for Kansas. And, I mean, apparently he was just getting harassed. It started with uh, some players that lived below him. Uh, like they loosened the lug nuts on one of his wheels of his car that he noticed one day when he was driving down the highway. And thankfully fixed it before yeah. he noticed it before something bad happened because who knows who yeah. could have got injured and all that but that thing that led to another and he reported that and uh to the police and uh they weren't able to arrest anybody because there's no proof of who did it but he had a suspicion it was those guys that lived below him at the apartment complex but it just didn't stop. One day they showed up and uh, were threatening his family who was living with him at the time because the, mm-hmm. his family moved out there because they knew he was having issues and they threatened the whole family, including his like 15-year-old brother. And uh, they thought that they even saw a gun on one of them. Uh, of course, he talked to the team about it and Les Miles just basically, what, what was it he told the team was like basically just everybody behave essentially yes i forgot what the exact quote was where is it yeah he he told the players to watch themselves yeah so just watch yourselves basically and you know that's just lack of leadership and that and that was according to caperton humphrey yeah so, i mean that's that we just yeah that is a fair point you know guy we that's involved here yeah he, that's according to the to the guy who is being threatened and i mean i at any point, this shows just the turmoil and lack of leadership that was going on at Kansas during those years with Les Miles. And I mean, it, it's, it's sad. It's easy to believe because they went what zero and nine last year. They didn't get a single win. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just at minimum, it seems like they just have a complete I mess going I, on. They what obviously a terrible year. They obviously have a have a great coach now coming in yeah and it's good they got to start over they as a i believe it's sam sam leopold takes over in lawrence kansas for the jayhawks and he's 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 a great young up-and-coming head coach for sure and definitely one that the one that that kansas program and what they need De- i mean desperately need yeah hopefully they 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 need they need a a great they they need a voice they need a strong voice yeah. in that program not not one that's going to let the players do whatever and apparently bully and threaten and threaten yeah acts of violence against a teammate and his family right. which is just so yeah, they just need to get down to basics to start this to be a team to just oh yeah be a yeah. group and they and they they've got a they got a great guy to do it and it, it certainly was it certainly was uh, I I still don't understand why they hired Les Miles yeah that was a risk and it backfired big time incredibly. Bad. But I'm yeah. I'm glad I'm glad they got him out of there and they can go in a very new and positive direction under this 
Yeah. I, this good young head coach. Yeah, we'll see. My they, opinion. We'll see where they go moving forward. So they've they, they've got a good one there in Lawrence, but obviously that was some very upsetting, troubling, and heartbreaking news. Seeing that that report come out, and so I'm just I'm just glad that the player and his family or or were safe in all of this. Yeah, or well they they went to safety. I, I you know I saw where they're still having some, of course, lasting effects. Oh, uh, no doubt, psychologically. Yeah, Humph- Humphrey's having to. I think he's talking to a therapist about it, which is good that he's yes. he, he's talking through it. But hopefully, hopefully they can, well, first of all, sort of get a little bit of a, I think they're looking for some sort of settlement or yeah. or Love restitution so. from, from Kansas. Yeah. So that, they, they, you know, hopefully they can move on and hopefully mentally Humphrey will be all right moving forward. Yeah, definitely will be thinking and, thinking about and praying for Humphrey and his family for sure. All right. Now we'll close that with the random page of the day. I went to baseball reference today and I got a game from June 3rd, 1998 between the Atlanta Braves and Milwaukee Brewers. That Atlanta team was loaded. Yeah. This is in the late nineties. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is when the Braves were just on fire and, of course, they. I mean, they did win a World Series, but they would get only one. Yeah, they would. Nineteen ninety five got shut out by the Yankees. <laughs> a yeah. few times. And yeah, and they they went all the way to a game seven in ninety five, where it was a classic pitchers duel, mm-hmm. where John Smoltz outlasted his counterpart there in a one to nothing. Braves winning game seven to give that franchise their first world series championship where they have not won one since no, which well, has been crazy because they they had a lot of uh, uh, they had some great teams in the early 2000s as well yeah well Just and this 98 team was done in the postseason this 98 team was on fire at this point they were i mean they won five to two and they their record was 42 and 18 it's just incredible record no at this doubt. point in the season and my goodness but it looking back on it now it's definitely one that you expected yeah and out of a 90s braves team when listen to some of these players man on the braves you got ozzy guillen uh ozzy guillen yeah the former white Sox manager yeah chicago white Sox manager shortstop how about that yeah uh chipper jones of course yes uh Javi Lopez. Yep, Javi Lopez. Andrew Jones. And the pitcher for the Braves in this game was Tom Glavin. Oh, yep, I just, just thought about Tom Glavin. And let's see, the player of this game for them. Uh, was David Justice still with the Braves? Not at this point. I don't see him okay, on he here had, anyway. He had moved on then. Ah, oh, that's right. He was with the Cleveland Indians. Yeah, ninety eight. You after, said ninety eight. And then after the and then after that the Yankees yeah, picked him up. That's right. Ninety eight. So yeah, David Justice was on that Cleveland Indians team that blew a three to one series lead in the World Series to the oh, yeah. Florida Marlins as Edgar Renteria walked it off with the with the single, a bloop single 
But yeah, the player for this, uh, Ryan Kiesko. Klesko, Klesko. Yeah, that's not a, that's an I. Yeah, yeah. He was he was a San Diego Padre great. But yeah, he uh, in he the was, early two thousand. He was one for four, but with two RBI. So gosh, I completely forgot that Klesko was a Brave at one point. Meanwhile, let's look at the Brewers team. Who was on here? Anybody? Hmm. Not quite as Robin Robin Yount. No, I don't see him. Wow, that's hard to believe. Man, I don't, I don't, I don't recognize hardly anybody on here. To be honest, uh, well, wait, wait, I take that back. I, <laughs> Mark Loretta, Mark Loretta, that's yep. a big name. Uh, another another player who finished his career with the San Diego Padres. He walked three times baseman. in this game. I, they may have been pitching around him. Wow! It surely to goodness Glavin didn't walk him three times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't because that's how many that, walks. That's not that's not of the ordinary from Glavin, especially in his career. Might have been might have been once or twice from Glavin, and then uh, once or twice from a relief pitcher. Tom Glavin. How many walks? He had four walks in this game. Wow. That's a lot for him. No doubt. In one game, no doubt, yeah. Pitching for the Brewers was Jeff Juden, who I'm not familiar with. I'm not familiar with him either, Chris. But, yeah, that, that Atlanta Braves roster is just kind of the who's who of 90s baseball. It's like you take them. And they only won one World Series. Like, now, they, they went they went to a couple. Oh, yeah. But, but only one. I mean, you combine that that Braves roster with the Yankees roster, and that's like just 90s baseball. <laughs> it just Those were the two best teams by far reminds, that decade. Reminds me of my Cubs with that, that great young core that they once had that is now obviously is fixing to get traded or some of it will get traded here at the trade deadline later this month. But they went the three straight NLCSs. Only one World Series appearance, but that one World Series appearance, they, they got the job done. Yeah. So it's kind of kind of reminds me of that. Well, and, and this year the – yeah, it does. And this year the Braves in 1998, they, of course, finished first in their division, the NL East. They were 106 and 56. Wow, what a record. They – uh won 3-0 over the Cubs in that first round. Three straight games. Uh, then they yeah. lost the NLCS, uh, if you remember, to the, the Padres. And then the Padres just got... That's right. The Padres got swept by the Yankees. It wasn't even would much that, of a series. Would that have been back-to-back years that the Yankees had faced the Braves in the World Series? Let me check. 97 and 98? Because in 97... Or was it... Well, you know, 97, they, they lost the NLCS to the Marlins. But then in 99, oh, maybe... Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, so, in 99, they lost the World Series to the Yankees 4 to nothing. So they would have... Okay. So they, they went back a few years later. Yeah. I mean, they, and faced each other again. The Braves just kept; they would lose it in the NLCS or World Series, year after year after year, except for the one where they, of course, ninety five. Yeah, my my bad 
I'm correcting an error earlier, of course. I said it was the 98 Marlins. I meant to say the 97 Marlins. So, my bad on that. But, yeah. Oh, I didn't they, even notice. But, yeah, David Justice, yeah, David Justice had to have been with Cleveland at that point. And in 96, they lost the World Series to the Yankees, four games to two. Yeah, 95 was when they won it, and they won it over the Indians. So, let's see, Bray. Braves in 95, Yankees in 96, over the Padres. When, uh, the Yankees won in 98 over the Padres. 98 over the Padres, and then 99 and 2000. Yeah, the Yankees won uh, 96, they won 98, then 99 and 2000. Who did they play in 96, Chris? See, that's, that's why I was wondering if it – was the well, Braves. They, yeah, they, they won over the Braves, four games to two. Okay. And then they played them again in 99 and won okay. four straight okay. over the Braves. All right, I, I got you now. Yeah. So yeah, Yankees and Braves, the teams <laughs> of the 90s. 90s. Yeah, from like 95 on. But yeah. Uh, Did the Yankees win it the year that we were born, 92? No, they were – that 90, 1992 was the last season they were below 500. Okay. Wow. Yeah, we'll see what happens again Gosh, this year. I can't year. even remember who won the 92 World Series. Was that was that the Twins? No, it was the Blue Jays. They went yeah. back to back. 92 yeah. and 93. I knew it. Yeah, that was when the Blue Jays Joe were really Carter, good. Joe Carter hit, hit the walk-off over the Phillies. Which had been an incredible World Series to see. But wasn't that the one in 93 to win them? Back-to-back World Series titles. I think that was 93. I think, yeah, yeah, I thought it was the one in 93 where Joe Carter beat the Phillies on the walk-off home run. You have to forgive us. We weren't watching World Series when we were, like, a few months old. Yeah, we were goo goo <laughs> Yeah, but... Yeah, we weren't doing Colorado puns just yet. <laughs> but, yeah, that's... uh, That was neat. Yeah, that's uh, 1998. Uh, June third, I believe I said it was. Obviously, Brave fans wish wish they're they can go back. Yeah, June third, nineteen ninety eight. Braves five, Brewers two. Get a DeLorean and go back in time to the nineties to relive all of those glories. You're from the nineties. I thought you were from the sixties. <laughs> back, back, back. But in this case, back to the nineties. Back, back, back. Go back, go back to the nineties where you belong. Uh, snap I actually back watched that twenty twenty one. I watched that movie last night before I went to bed. Ironically, I watched it the other day. It was on TV. Yeah, I watched it too. I believe it was on Sundance last night, and mm-hmm. the movie we're referring to is, of course, the classic baseball movie called Field of Dreams, starring Kevin Costner and oh, James Earl Jones. And I've said before, my Ray favorite, Liotta. my favorite, base, my favorite sports movie in general. Oh, it's it's mine as well. Yeah, so good. I just I don't understand the flack that it gets, the hate that it gets, but it's it's such a great I, movie after all of these years. I haven't seen much flack. We we'll have to we we'll have to talk about sports movies in a future episode or something. Yes, we, we can talk yes. about some of the flack it gets because I'm not I'm not familiar with it. Yeah, man. Yeah, that that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, Maybe that could be a future episode yeah. of the Sport Fanatics podcast here pretty soon. I have to look into that. That'd be a lot of fun. 
All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, guys. It's July 13th, episode eight of Sport Fanatics, over and done with. J. Mike, where can they find you on social media? You can add me as a friend on Facebook. My name is John Michael McBunch. Last name is spelled M-C-B-U-N-C-H. And you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I have the same handle, and that handle is at J underscore Mike Check. So please feel free to add and follow me, and I will be sure to follow you back. All right, and you can follow the podcast at Sport Fanatics on Twitter. Follow us. That's the handle. Please. Uh, I'm my personal Twitter is Christopheles eleven. Chris Topholes one one on Twitter. That's no, not not tadpoles people. <laughs> but yeah, that's where you can find me. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, episode over and done with. I enjoyed it. Thank you for being here with me, J Mike, and thank y'all for listening to us. Y'all have a good week. Rocky Mountain High in Colorado.